Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Enrique Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. My name is Darren Fritchett. I am honored to be with you on this day before one of the great rivalries in college football takes place. It is the greatest intersectional rivalry in college football history. From the West Coast, the University of Southern California Trojans. From the heartland of America, the Midwest, the old fighting Irish of Notre Dame, the game will be played in the house that Rockney built. He established this great rivalry. Notre Dame Stadium will be hopefully rocking tomorrow night, 7.30 kickoff. You can hear the game on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Paul Burmeister and Ryan Harris on the call here on WSBT Radio. We get your day started bright and early at 1 o'clock Eastern time with the Wake Up the Echoes podcast radio show that Notre Dame produces. Marcus Freeman makes an appearance on that show. You'll hear that at 1 o'clock. Jim Arizari and Tim Growl. They will have the Legacy Heating and Air game day show here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. On the guest list for tomorrow, former Notre Dame and NFL wide receiver Michael Floyd. Also, players from the 1973 Notre Dame National Championship team, including Luther Bradley. Steve Sylvester, Reggie Barnett, Mike Townsend, and Eric Pennick, And the one and only Rudy will also be on the program 2 to 4 tomorrow here on WSBT Radio. And you can check out the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day Show live 
from Eddy Street Commons. Take pictures, get some autographs from your favorite Notre Dame players. That's coming up tomorrow here on WSBT Radio. Then we've got the X's and O Show, Game Day Sports Beat, brought to you by Bud Light. I'll be hosting along with InsideIndieSports.com's Eric Hansen and Blue and Gold Illustrated's Tyler Horka. Eric and Tyler will be at the stadium. I'll actually be in my man cave because I'll host the first well, hour and a half of that show and then turn my attention to Notre Dame hockey. I'll be calling the game from the man cave as the Irish are in Rochester, New York. They will take on R.I.T. That game tomorrow, 7 o'clock Eastern time. You can hear the game on the Notre Dame radio network, including right here in South Bend on Quality Rock 94.3 FM. So I'll probably have my second TV on the old Irish football game. But eyes for the most part on the Fighting Irish hockey game. But when the puck stops, I can glance over just a little bit. And hopefully you enjoy the ball game wherever you are. Always fun to see Notre Dame and USC get together. Our friends from Southern California, they have not enjoyed much success in South Bend in quite some time. In fact, the last time USC won in South Bend, October 22nd, 2011, USC 31, Notre Dame 17. Since that USC victory in South Bend, 2013, Notre Dame won 14-10. 2015, an Irish 41-31 victory. 2017, Irish 49, USC 14. 2019, Notre Dame won 30-27. Then we had no game in 2020. The game came back to South Bend in 2021. Notre Dame won by 15, 31-16. So the winning streak is on the line in South Bend for the Irish. Last year at the historic L.A. Coliseum, Caleb Williams at that time kept USC's playoff hopes alive by beating the Irish 38-27. Those victories, or I should say those playoff hopes went away when they lost the Pac-12 championship in Vegas to the Utah Utes. So Notre Dame trying to win once again and keep USC out of the win column here in South Bend. Put a big kaboom into USC's playoff hopes. And maybe you'll partially end Caleb Williams' hopes of winning back-to-back Heisman trophies if the Notre Dame defense can keep him shut down. You never know. One of these primetime big games could affect his chances. So, for Notre Dame, not in the playoff picture anymore. That kind of takes a little bit of the excitement out of the game. But I guarantee if you're an Irish fan that – Maybe you're not overly excited right now. Once you see those helmets from USC come out on the field, those white jerseys with the maroon trim, you'll get yourself, I think, pretty juiced up because nothing better than Notre Dame defeating USC, and they'll try tomorrow at 7.30 as Marcus Freeman looks to pick up his first win over USC as a head football coach. He was a part of a win in 2021 as defensive coordinator when the Irish won 31-16. to All right, coming up on the program this evening, how I think the game will play out. We'll get to that first. Then we'll take a look at the college football weekend and how Notre Dame opponents are going to be spending their weekend. We've got our Twitter question of the day, which is always our parlay question involving Notre Dame USC. 
You can actually vote already for that question on my Twitter X account at 960-SPORTSPEEP. In the 6 o'clock hour, I'll take a look at some of the odds for the Notre Dame-USC matchup. We'll take a look at some team and individual props. We will also have a segment where Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated and I talk about the Irish offense and some of the play calling and decision issues from the last game against Louisville from our Notre Dame Blue and Gold YouTube show, which airs live Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. You can check us out on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. And we will wrap up the program tonight with a little sizzler, our Friday Tradition, I guess we can call it, where we have a 10-pack of picks, two Notre Dame picks, three other college football selections, and five from the National Football League. That's what we've got coming up on this day before Notre Dame and USC here in South Bend. And good luck to all the high school football teams wrapping up the regular season tonight, including the Holy War. Just a few blocks away, Marion and South Bend St. Joe squaring off once again. And the Mishawaka came and looking to at least share the NLC crown. If they beat Wawasee, they will share if they win because the two teams that are battling for the other share will meet tonight, Northridge and Warsaw. You can hear Caveman football on our sister station. That is 96-1 the ton. Brian Miller, Scott Bovenkirk on the call, 640 pregame, 7 o'clock kick. Here we go. Notre Dame. 5-2, ranked number 21 in the country, taking on the University of Southern California Trojans, undefeated, but only ranked number 10 in the country because they're not exactly playing dominating football at the present time. Let's see if Notre Dame can keep that trend going in this matchup tomorrow night. USC is 6-0. They are 4-0. In the Pac-12, they beat San Jose State in their opener 56-28. They cruised by Nevada 66-14 at the Coliseum. They routed Stanford 56-10. Drew Pine and Arizona State put up 28 points on the Trojans, but the Sun Devils lost 42-28. USC built a big lead over Colorado and Boulder. Buffs made it close late. Trojans won 48-41. And then the head-scratcher last week at the Coliseum. USC a big favorite over Arizona. The Trojans and the Wildcats were tied at 28 at the end of regulation. USC won in three overtimes, 43-41. And this starts a massive stretch of games for USC. After they come to South Bend and take on the Fighting Irish. Next week, they host the team that beat them twice last year. The Utah Utes. Then the following week. Should be a win, but Cal is better than in past years. They go to Berkeley to take on the Bears. And then they end with three more ranked teams. USC on November 4th. They will host Washington. The following week, November the 11th. They go to Eugene to take on Oregon. And then the big rivalry game in Los Angeles, UCLA at USC on November 18th. So five of the next six games, USC better be ready to play because they have their hands full. Let's start with this Notre Dame-USC matchup from a Notre Dame 
offensive perspective. Coaches, impress us. Impress us. Let's see a wonderful game plan. No uniqueness in terms of rotating offensive linemen. This would be a great day for Notre Dame to refine that running game and pound that USC defense. It has been shown this year you can do that. USC 89th in the country in defending the run. Arizona last week, 42 carries for 203 yards, led by Jonah Coleman, 22 carries for 143 yards. Just saying, the Arizona quarterback had a great day. Fafita had five touchdown passes and 303 passing yards, and that helped the running game, obviously, and they had 203 yards, so they had 506 yards of total offense. Now it was a three-overtime game. Those are eye-popping numbers. Is this good news for the Fighting Irish? You know, I think so. I really, really do. The Fighting Irish need a spark on offense. They have been scuffling now for a couple of weeks. I mean, you throw in Ohio State, they had chances to score, but unfortunately left a lot of points on the field, scored 14, and lost by three. Duke, that game was saved by the 95-yard drive engineered by Sam Hartman, and then last week was total discombobulation. And look how the coaching and the execution has affected Sam Hartman. Does Sam need to be better than last week? Of course. I'm not singling him out that he was great and everybody else is the problem. But there's a lot around Sam that needs to be better. Sam, the last three weeks, folks, he's only completing 58% of his throws. He is 54 for 93. He's only thrown for 651 yards the last three weeks. That is 217 yards per ball game. Three touchdowns thrown, three interceptions tossed. All three last week against Louisville. Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman talking about his quarterback and one of his big leaders, Sam Hartman, how he's led this week after the 13-point loss down in the Commonwealth of Kentucky to Louisville. I think the biggest thing with Sam is he's consistent. Right? He's, he's experienced. He's been through um, wins and losses. And so he continues to be the same person, um, the same leader. And uh, um, what happens the week before does not affect the way Sam approaches his preparation uh, and approaches his leadership. So um, I've been really pleased with, with what he's done in terms of every single week of preparation and leadership amongst all offense. The good news is for Sam Hartman, Jared Parker in the offense. It looks like Jaden Greathouse should be ready to go, barring a setback we don't know about. The freshman receiver has missed the last two games with a hamstring injury. I would call him a reliable target when throwing the football. I'm really curious to see what the Irish do with Tobias Merriweather, a starting wide receiver most of the season. 25 snaps, that's it last week, after over 60 the week before. There has been inconsistencies in his game. A lot of talent hasn't grasped it as of yet. 
Will Tobias be a major factor in the game plan tomorrow? Or was last week the starting of a sort of callback of Tobias toward the bench and other people getting the opportunity? Not saying they're giving up on him. Absolutely not. You can't and you will not do that. But right now, this football team is looking for answers. I would think at this time, job security is up in the air for a lot of guys as Notre Dame is looking to improve on what has been an unacceptable last three weeks considering Notre Dame's standards. So I think it will be interesting if they unleash Tobias against USC or do they go a different direction? You know, Greathouse is a guy that could play on the outside. You've got three guys you can play in the slot right now. Maybe Greathouse goes outside. Tyree stays in the slot. So let's watch early on in the game what the coaching staff has decided to do with the wide receiver position. Here's the good news for Sam and whoever's playing wide receiver and Mitchell Evans and the running backs catching the ball out of the backfield. USC, I told you, is 89th in run defense. They're 89 in pass efficiency defense. Drew Pine, yeah, that Drew Pine had a pretty good day against USC down in Tempe a couple of weeks ago. Arizona State, not a great offense, put up 28 points against USC. They put up 28 even though Pine was sacked eight times. Drew is 21 of 36 for 221 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Arizona State, really the only team that has not taken advantage of the USC run defense. The sacks are a big reason why, though. Let's also factor that in because with the eight sacks, Drew Pine was 10 carries for minus 40 yards. You take away his numbers, they were 22 carries for 130 yards, so that sounds a little better. Cameron Scadabo had 20 carries for 111 yards and a touchdown for Arizona State against this porous USC defense. So Drew Pine had some success, which means, aha, yes, should be a good day for the Fighting Irish offense. This is a get-right day for Notre Dame. You got to take advantage of the deficiencies across from you in this contest. My projections, I went back and forth. I look at the forecast. There's a chance for rain Saturday night, but it keeps going down in percentage. Might rain throughout the day. It's going to affect tailgating. I would not mind a little rain during the game. That helps Notre Dame without a doubt. So I tempered some of my Offensive projections for this game, I've got Sam Hartman, 18 of 30 for 234 yards, two touchdowns, and no picks. I've got Jaden Greathouse catching one of the touchdown passes. I've got him four for 48. I've got Jaden Thomas, four catches, leads the team with 71 receiving yards and a touchdown. And I've got tight end Mitchell Evans, four receptions for 51 yards. Now let's go to the offensive line and the running game as we try to figure out how this game will play out. USC at Notre Dame tomorrow, 7.30 kick here on WSBT Radio. Darren Pritchett with you, 25 minutes after 5 o'clock 
on this Friday evening. Billy Shrouth came off the bench to play two guard positions last week against Duke and now this famous interior offensive line rotation. And we've all been wondering as a media group, and I'm sure you the fans have, did that affect Joe Alt? Because there were a couple of plays he did not look like Joe Alt at left tackle. So Shrout not only played one guard spot, he played two. We heard from Marcus Freeman that he wanted Andrew Kristofik to play a few snaps at center to create competition in a game. Not practice, as Allen Ivers, and we're not talking about practice. He was talking about a game-creating competition. Whatever the case may be, that did not probably work out as well. They keep saying, well, Pat Coogan was hurt with a knee, didn't do everything on Tuesday. Well, he played all but 15 snaps in the ballgame. Just a unique, as I've called it, decision by Coach Parker and whoever came up with the idea. So what are we going to see tomorrow against USC? Are we going to see a merry-go-round in the interior of the offensive line? Marcus Freeman answered questions about the interior of the offensive line yesterday. Yeah, we, um, again, the, the rotation of the guards will, will be is, is at times their play um, dictates. You know, last week, obviously, with Cougs not being able to practice uh, for, for a day and a half of uh, preparation went into the, the thought of rotating guards, um, you know, but, but I feel like everybody's had a good week of preparation. You know, we'll go into the game planning using the, the normal starting five, but again, play time at times dictates, um, you know, putting guys in the game. You know, if we don't play to the standard that we believe our offense or anybody on our team should, then you have to be able to put guys in the game that you feel can do their job. And so I don't ever want our guys playing fearless, like playing with fear of being taken out of the game, but we also have to make sure that our guys that are in the game are executing. Again, Coogan played all but 15 snaps. Sounds like we'll get back to normal, but if someone's playing bad, absolutely yank them. But it doesn't seem like we're going to see that rotation unless it's being hidden. Okay, so let's hope for a good day for the offensive line, an opportunity to pound that USC front. Boy, Audric estimate it is weird to see some of his stats the last couple of weeks. Estime against Louisville last Saturday night. Facing a loaded box. The fine Notre Dame running back was held to 10 carries for 20 yards. He had a long run of six yards in the ballgame. Last three games, Estime 42 carries, 171 yards. He's down to averaging 57 yards per game in the last three. That's Ohio State, Duke, and Louisville. His yards per carry, only 4.07 and two touchdowns, both against Duke, including the center of the football should have taken a knee touchdown run to win it. Now, Jeremiah Love has danced his way up to what it appears to be the number two running back on this football team, the freshman has seen a significant rise in carries while we have seen less of Jadarian Price. Jeremiah Love's first four games of his freshman season, 
18 carries, 99 yards. Very respectable. The last three games, he's had 18 carries, but for 138 yards. That is 7.6 yards per touch. And now Love is averaging 46 rushing yards per ball game. We've seen less of Price. Jabron Payne's kind of that short yardage guy. We saw him run the Wildcat against Ohio State and scored a five-yard touchdown. Devin Ford's role has been reduced. Marcus Freeman this week was asked about the running back splits for this Fighting Irish football team as they get set to take on a very poor USC run defense. Yeah, I think you've seen an increase in, in Jeremiah's um, carries production in the past few games. Uh, you know, he's, he's continuously getting better. Um, Audric is, is Audric. We, we got to continue to, um, you know, give the ball to Audric and, and, and protect him and, and making sure that we open up some run lanes for him. Uh, you know, but we still feel comfortable with, with Jadarian and, and Ron and even Devin Ford coming in the game in their specific roles. And so, um, we know as the season goes on, you, as I said weeks ago, you can't continuously play five guys equally, you know, and, and that's what you've seen is that Audric and, and, and Jeremiah have taken probably the, the majority of the load with, with Jadarian being third. And so I think you'll see a similar type um, mindset as we go into this game. You know, there's there's certain packages for certain guys, but we're going to continuously make sure that Audric Estime and Jeremiah Love have a chance to to do some some things with the balls in their hands as, as well as Donnie Price. Well, let's see if Jared Parker can scheme the Irish out of this heavy front that they're seeing from the opposition. Teams are daring the Irish to beat them down the field with their wide receivers, and they are taking away the rushing attack. I mean, credit to Louisville. Statistically, they didn't look like a team that could do it, but they were not afraid to put extra hats down in the box to stymie that Irish rushing attack. So let's see if Parker can out-scheme it. Let's see if the wide receivers can get consistent separation tomorrow. Because even though things have not looked its best the last couple of weeks, don't we all believe you give Sam Hartman a window, he's going to be able to get the football in there to that wide receiver. I'm still a big believer. Let's get this thing going once again. Great opportunity against the USC defense again, 117th in total defense. 89th in rush defense, 89 in pass efficiency defense. Yeah, I think they're, they're aggressive. They, they have a good scheme. Um, you know, I, I know some of the stats might not say, but um, they, they've been uh, they, they've been really good. And uh, they're, they're aggressive, as I said. Um, they got athletes all over the field. And, you know, those guys at the front, um, they, they, they put a lot of pressure on the quarterback in the past game. And so, um, I know our offense knows it's, it's got a great challenge ahead of it. Marcus Freeman on the Trojan defense. Well, I am still a big believer in good old number seven, Audric Estime. And it's really interesting. Seven. It's seven, really interesting seven. that DraftKings Sportsbook has Estime, the over-under of his rushing yards at 96 and a half. Now, I've not looked today. That's what it was yesterday. It could have been altered a tad bit. But considering the last two weeks, doesn't that seem like a high number? Hey, Las Vegas does not put lines out there to lose money. 
So that's a really interesting stat. Based on USC's porous run defense, based on the fact that Notre Dame appears to be ready to give Audric Estime a full load once again in this ballgame, I think he'll top it. I really think the Irish run game will get going. If they do, they've got a great chance to knock off USC. If the running game isn't there, the path gets a little more difficult, a whole lot more difficult. So, yeah, I think Audric has a day tomorrow. I've got him 17 carries for 111 and a touchdown. I've got Jeremiah Love scoring a touchdown, eight carries for 51 yards. So in my score prediction, I've got Notre Dame putting up 31 points. How many will USC score? If they put up a lot, how are they going to do it? We'll dig into that conversation coming up next as we focus on the Heisman Trophy winner. Caleb Williams in the USC offense taking on Al Golden's defense. Stick around. Plenty more to get to. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame and tomorrow's showdown with USC at 730. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. And a diving catch by Notre Dame. Benjamin Morrison. Three interceptions on the day. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Intercepted on the 45-yard line. So Reek Bracey. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. He will score. 10-5 touchdown. Benjamin Morrison. 95 yards out. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on this Friday being brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Now with three locations serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Bethel University's Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at FeedIndiana.org. By Legacy Heating and Air. Ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. By Midland Engineering Company. Beginning their second century of quality roofing experience by the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. South Bend Orthopedics, trusted in the community for 75 years. And by Notre Dame Athletics, men's and women's basketball single game tickets are now on sale at fightingirish.com. 19 minutes in front of six o'clock on the day before the Irish and the Trojans play the greatest intersectional rivalry in college football history. In my opening segment, how the game will play out with the Notre Dame offense taking on the USC defense, I came to the conclusion Notre Dame would score 31 points. And sitting in the commercial break, looking at my notes, 
I kind of laid these notes out throughout the week when weather, the chance of rain was greater during the game. It looks like it's lessened a little bit. So now I'm starting to second guess myself if I am not putting enough points in this ball game. But if Notre Dame runs the football effectively, they could shorten the game with their rushing attack. So I'm second-guessing myself as I go through this segment. I'll stick with it, but I'm wondering if I should go a little more points because I continue to look at box scores of USC, and it's like, how do you not score more than 30 against this football team? But I will press on. We'll see if we make any alterations along the way, but right now I'm going to stick with Notre Dame with 31. How many will USC score against Al Golden's defense? Well, first off, no doubt where we start, the USC offense led by their Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, Caleb Williams, who dominated the Fighting Irish at the Coliseum last year. Probably put him in the driver's seat to win the Heisman Trophy. Caleb Williams is back, projected to be the number one pick in the NFL draft, although his dad says he can make more money staying at USC with NIL money. So if he doesn't like the team picking number one, maybe, keyword, maybe he stays at USC. But Caleb Williams had an interesting game last week in the midst of a head-scratching game at home against Arizona in which the Wildcats took this game into triple overtime. Now, Caleb Williams, I've read, had an off week. You look at the numbers... And they do look un-Heisman Trophy worthy against not a great team. Williams against Arizona, 14 of 25 for 219 yards, a touchdown, no picks, but 12 carries, 41 yards, and three rushing touchdowns. For the year, the numbers look a whole lot better. 71.7% completion percentage, 1,822 yards, How about this split? 22 touchdown passes, one pick. He's also ran 38 times for 124 yards and six touchdowns. Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman on facing another dual-threat quarterback. They face Brennan Armstrong and Riley Leonard, but this is a whole different ballgame against Caleb Williams. Yeah, you got to continue to – Trust your pass lanes, trust your rush lanes, um, and know that the play is never over, right? There's a lot of times when you're playing quarterbacks where if you get them to step up and you force them to a lane, um, you know, sometimes you feel like, hey, he's going to either take off and run or he's going to, you know, throw it out of bounds. But Caleb Williams finds a way to continue to extend plays. And so we have to be controlled but aggressive, right? Controlled aggression is what we talk about in our rush lanes, but understand the play is never over with Caleb Williams. You have to continuously play through the whistle. Uh, the minute you think he's running one way, you better be alert because he could turn around and run the other way. And so um, we can't play prevent defense. Uh, I told those guys we have to be aggressive, but we have to understand the rush lanes that we're rushing in and also understand some of his escape routes. And uh, that's something that we've been working on. Well said. Controlled pass rush. You want to get to him, but if you leave him a massive lane – And the Irish are playing man where the secondary has their back turned to Caleb. That's when you hold your breath. You sound 
the alarm because Caleb can take off and do a ton of damage on the ground like he did last year against the Irish, but he also has great targets to throw to. Taj Washington, a speedster at 5'10", 185. He is averaging 21.7 yards per reception. Washington, 21 catches, 456 yards, five touchdowns. Then you've got a bigger, more physical wide receiver in Brendan Rice. He's 6'3", 210. He also has 21 catches. He is also averaging over 20 yards per reception. He's at 20.7. 21 catches for 434, and he's caught a team-best seven touchdowns. Now they're tight in. Lake McRae's been out since the Colorado game, 11 catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown. So that's the passing attack, and Caleb Williams will face the best set of corners that he has gone up against this year. Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart. I think we all trust those two players to do a terrific job on players like Washington and Rice. I think if you're USC, you can get running backs and tight ends matched up against Irish linebackers. That might be a very positive play for this USC offense, and I'm sure they're going to test the Notre Dame safeties in this ballgame. They're going to take shots down the field. In particular, they've got a pretty doggone good running game that doesn't get talked about because of the Heisman Trophy quarterback, although he's a big part of the rushing attack. But first... My guess for Caleb Williams, his numbers estimated. I've got him 24 of 35 for 285, two touchdown passes, and picked off one time. That would be just his second interception of the season. But he's got a running game to rely on. Head coach Marcus Freeman on that rushing attack. You know, it's a, it's a challenge. He's, they got a stable of, of good running backs, um, a good offensive line, a good scheme. Uh, you know, so we got to be able to stop the run and we got to do it in, in different ways. Um, and I think success on defense always starts with being able to, to, to stop the run. And so uh, we've been practicing it and, and we feel like we have a great uh, a plan for it. Well, hopefully they have a great plan in stopping Marshawn Lloyd transfer from South Carolina, 5-9-2-10, 67 carries for 519 yards. Lloyd is averaging 7.7 yards per pop and four touchdowns. His backup is very effective. Austin Jones, 25 for 163. He's at 6.5 yards per touch and four touchdowns. Then, of course, you've got Caleb Williams, those 38 carries for 124 and six rushing touchdowns. So the Notre Dame Run defense has been good, but they have leaked some oil and giving up some big, big plays that have broken this team's back at times. You can't say you're good part of the time, but you give up big plays. The run defense has to be better. It's going to be a challenge against USC because you have to make sure you've got resources against that passing game. But... You get them balanced, and then you start having headaches. I've got Lloyd 12 for 54 yards, Jones 4 for 18, and Caleb Williams 9 for 51 yards. So I had Notre Dame with 31 points. And what do I have USC for? Well, I've got the Trojans scoring 27. I've got the Irish winning by four again, to be honest with you. 
as I've put together my plan for the week and how I think the game's going to play out. Today, I've really started to think that maybe more points will be scored in this ball game. I think I'm going to be a little light. I'm going to stick with it. I'm not going to change. But I think my scoring totals could be a little bit on the light side. May have to supersize it for game day on Saturday. But right now, I've got Notre Dame winning over USC 31 to 27. I had in my notes from earlier in the week, weather will affect USC. If it's raining during the game, I mean, they were hosing down players <laughs> during practice out there. Seeing that maybe definitely pick the Fighting Irish, but if it doesn't rain as much during the game, that helps USC. But I'll stick with my original prediction, Notre Dame 31, USC 27. 551, we'll take a look at the matchups in college football this weekend next on Sports Radio 960 WSB. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 554 at WSBT. Sports Beat Live on this Friday evening, the day before Notre Dame and USC renew their great rivalry. Trojans trying to win in South Bend for the first time since 2011. The Irish trying to put a big dent and the Trojans' hopes of making the college football playoffs. Soon this is going to be Big Ten versus Independent. Hey, USC, you may like this rain and this cool weather. Get used to it because you're going to have some very interesting October and November matchups in the Midwest. And I guess in today's world, there's East Coast teams in the Big Ten as well. So this is kind of a prep for what USC will be dealing with in the years to come. That's just going to be quite strange, to say the least. Our college football weekend, let's take a look at what's happening. You've got number one Georgia. They started to look like national championship Georgia last Saturday, routing the Kentucky Wildcats. We knew Georgia was going to figure it out, more than likely, and it looks like they have. And they get a road game in Nashville. Georgia, number one at Vanderbilt, 12 o'clock kick. Georgia favored by 31 and a half against Clark Lee's Commodores and their hanging scoreboard by a crane. Number two, Michigan at the big house taking on Indiana, the Hoosiers. They're a 33-point dog to the Wolverines, and that seems light. Noon kickoff today, or I should say tomorrow, in Ann Arbor, Indiana, at Michigan. You've got number three, Ohio State. 10-10 at halftime at the Horseshoe against Maryland last Saturday. Then they figured it out, 137-17. The Buckeyes go to West Lafayette to take on the Boilermakers. Noon tomorrow, Ohio State favored by a hefty 19 points. From the ACC, Syracuse has come back to earth a little bit. They're at number four, Florida State, tomorrow at noon. All the top teams playing at noon. The Seminoles are favored by 17.5. They took care of Virginia Tech at Doak Campbell last Saturday. Also on the schedule at noon, you've got from the Southeastern Conference, a game that will pick at our 10-pack at the end of the program. 
It is the old Arkansas Razorbacks, Pig Suey in Tuscaloosa, taking on number 11, Alabama. Ty look a whole lot better last couple of weeks. Since that loss to Texas, they are slowly figuring it out on both sides of the ball. Bama favored by 20 at home, noon kick. The 330 window has a couple of key matchups. Well, the first one's not really key, but in terms of playoff picture, New Year's 6, all those things, number 6 Penn State at home, they'll take on the University of Massachusetts fighting Dan Collarins. Penn State favored by 41 and a half. Dan is my former Notre Dame hockey SID, good friend, who is now basically running the radio and TV at UMass. I'm thrilled for him. Smart, smart guy. Doing great things up there at UMass. And then the biggie. Number eight, Oregon at number seven, Washington. That's a 3.30 kick. Pac-12 supremacy on the line. Washington a slight favorite by a field goal on their home turf. Primetime, 7.30 besides Notre Dame USC. Number 25, Miami, who didn't take a knee and paid the price, lost to Georgia Tech. Now they got to go pay a visit to Drake May and the North Carolina Tar Heels that game in Chapel Hill. Hurricanes number 25, Heels number 12, UNC favored by three and a half. And another top 20 matchup from the Pac-12, number 18 UCLA at number 15 Oregon State. UCLA coming off a home win over a ranked Washington State team, 25-17 last Saturday. Oregon State put a 50-burger on Cal. This game will be in Corvallis, and the home team, Oregon State, is favored by three and a half. It's an eight o'clock kick. Notre Dame opponents, Navy is two and three. They'll be at Charlotte at two o'clock tomorrow. Four and two, North Carolina State will take on four and one, Duke and Durham. That's an eight o'clock start. Central Michigan is three and three at 3.30 tomorrow. They will welcome Akron. Also, on the schedule, Louisville coming off that emotional win. How will they handle it? They are going to be at the Pitt Panthers, 6.30 kick. Phil Chakovic no longer the starting quarterback for Pitt. Pittsburgh is 1-4, by the way. Clemson, 4-2. They're idle. Wake Forest, a 3-2 football team. They are at Virginia Tech tomorrow at 3.30. Get ready for some Metallica, Wake Forest. And Stanford tonight at 1-4 in Boulder to take on... Dion and the Colorado Buffaloes. We got our Twitter question of the day in a moment. Next, a sports update on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT South Bend. This is the Budweiser's weekday sports beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Here we go with the six o'clock hour on WSBT South Bend. And we begin with our Twitter X question of the day from Thursday. I asked you what will be the outcome of the Notre Dame-USC game. Your four choices. Notre Dame wins by one to five points. Choice number two. Notre Dame wins by six or more points. Choice three. USC in the win column by one to five points. Choice number four. USC by six or more. You voted. Here are the results. 
fourth place in the voting. USC wins by one to five points. That only got 7% of the vote. Third place in the voting. How will the Notre Dame USC game work itself out? Well, third place was 19% of the vote. Notre Dame winning by one to five points. Second place in the voting for the outcome of the Notre Dame USC game. 27% said the game will be won by Notre Dame by six or more points. But winning our vote yesterday on our Sports Beat Twitter question of the day what will be the outcome of Notre Dame USC? You believe USC wins by six or more points. 47% of who voted believes the Trojans not only come to South Bend and win for the first time since 2011. They cover the spread and win by six or more. Actually, they're getting points in Las Vegas. We'll talk about that in a second. But 47% believe Notre Dame loses to USC by six points. Hey, I get it. Last Saturday left a horrible taste in everybody's mouth with Louisville beating the Irish 33-20. But it's a new Saturday. I hope it's a new Saturday picking the Irish to win 31-27. We thank you so much for voting. And now it's our parlay question on Friday. What will be the correct parlay for the Notre Dame-USC game? You could go with Notre Dame minus two and a half and over 60 and a half points. Choice number two, Notre Dame laying two and a half, but under 60 and a half points. The third choice. USC getting two and a half, and the game will be over 60 points. And finally, USC plus two and a half and under 60 and a half points. You can make your vote known right now. Go to my Twitter, X account, at 960 Sportsbeat. That's at 960 Sportsbeat, which will be the correct parlay for the Notre Dame-USC game. Again, the latest numbers, Notre Dame favored by two and a half, according to DraftKings Sportsbook, and the total points at 60 and a half. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about this game from a Las Vegas perspective. If you don't want to deal with that two and a half point spread, Notre Dame, if you go with the Fighting Irish just to win the ball game, it's at minus 142. So if you bet, for example, 10 bucks, you would win 1704. USC, the top 10 team that's unbeaten, is the underdog. They're at plus 120 on the money line. You bet 10, you could turn that into 22 bucks. Now, as we take a look at this game from a Vegas perspective, in the first half, so at halftime, what will be the outcome? Notre Dame is favored by two and a half at halftime, just like the two and a half they're favored for the game. And total points in the first half at 29 and a half. We take a look at team props for this game. Notre Dame, according to DraftKings Sportsbook, they've got the Irish total points set at 31 and a half. And right now, under 31 and a half is the favorite. So, the favorite would be Notre Dame is going to score under 31 and a half. I have them for 31, so I'm in the ballpark. USC total points in the game 
is at 29 and a half, and it's minus 115 both ways. And I have USC scoring 27, so I have them slightly under. Well, individual props are becoming a whole lot more popular in the college game. So let's take a look at some of the numbers for this game. The two quarterbacks, two primetime players, Caleb Williams and Sam Hartman, both players at DraftKings Sportsbook, their over-under touchdown passes is at 2.5. But right now, the under 2.5 is the favorite on both players. If you think Caleb Williams is going to throw more than 2.5 touchdown passes, that's at plus 125. For Hartman, it's even bigger numbers. If you believe Hartman will throw over 2.5 touchdown passes, it is at plus 155. Passing yards in the game, they've got Caleb Williams over under 306.5, Sam Hartman at 262.5. I mentioned earlier, Audric Estime's over under rushing total was 96.5. That was yesterday. Well, it's been bet down. Audric Estime's over under rushing yards in the game is now just 91.5. Caleb Williams of USC, his rushing numbers at 22 and a half. And Marshawn Lloyd, their top running back, over under rushing yards at 73 and a half. We look at receiving yards in the ball game. Three Notre Dame players are listed. Chris Tyree is over under receiving yards at 29 and a half. Jaden Thomas only at 35 and a half. And Mitchell Evans, the tight end. Wow, he's at 58-and-a-half for this ball game. The top receiver for USC, Taj Washington, his over-under receiving yards is right now sitting at 55-and-a-half. Brendan Rice, the other really good wide receiver. I probably shouldn't say Washington's the best. Both are really good. Rice is at 72-and-a-half in this ball game. Very, very interesting. And if you're really into some Wackiness, the team that scores first. Notre Dame is a favorite at minus 135. USC, you get them at a plus number, that's pretty good, at plus 105. So, again, Notre Dame favored by 2.5, according to DraftKings Sportsbook. And the over-under has went up just a hair to 60.5. So, a lot to choose from in this game. Interesting, Estime's number was set so high at 96.5. Now it's down to 91.5, so... I think some of the aggressive big money bettors have put money against Audric Estime, and now that number has dropped significantly. I will stand by my number. I think he goes over that total in this ballgame. So, Notre Dame-USC tomorrow. Again, 7.30 kickoff. If you don't want to have the TV volume on for that NBC broadcast, turn on WSBT Radio. Paul Burmeister and Ryan Harris do a fantastic job on the call of Notre Dame football on the radio, so we will have that for you at 7.30. Our pregame coverage starts at 1 o'clock with the Wake Up, the Echoes, Notre Dame podcast radio show. And then we get into our live programming starting at 2 with the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show, former Irish receiver Michael Floyd, members of the 73 National Championship team. Rudy, all will be live at Eddy Street Commons, where we broadcast live from, and then Game Day Sports be brought to you by Bud Light. Eric, Tyler, and I 
on the air from 4 until 6.30. We will handle the X's and O's of the matchup. And then after the ball game, the official Notre Dame football postgame show with Jim Arizari and Reggie Brooks. Hope you enjoy your game day Saturday. Well, Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold and I host a live YouTube show every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. We talked a lot about offense and coaching decisions. A sample of that's coming up in a couple of moments on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. More Notre Dame football talk during the 6 o'clock hour. The day before the Fighting Irish welcome number 10 USC to Notre Dame Stadium. But last Saturday, a frustrating night for the Fighting Irish fan base as Notre Dame got thumped at Louisville 33-20. Most of the focus this week with the Notre Dame media talking to coaches has been about the offense and how can we restart this Notre Dame offense. Well, every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern time, I join Blue and Gold's Tyler Horka for a Blue and Gold live YouTube show. You can be a part of it. Just check out YouTube.com and search Hey Horka. And, of course, we spent a good amount of time talking about the Irish offense. How does the loss to Louisville change your perception of the Marcus Freeman era to date? Now, Hank has a super chat that we're going to bring on the screen here. and We can have a conversation about this, Tyler. And he says, Notre Dame Nation needs to chill. Greatness takes time. Look how long it took BK, JH at Michigan, KS at Georgia. Marcus Freeman will continue to learn, grow, and develop. Okay. Yeah, so appreciate that, Hank, for sure. Uh, yeah, Darren, if, you, if you've got a direction you want to go with that, go ahead. Well, this is too obvious. So I, I hate to be that obvious person, but let's also remember – BK was at Grand Valley State, Central Michigan, and Cincinnati before getting to Notre Dame. And I talked to someone over the weekend that was close to Brian Kelly, and he put it this way. Whether you like Brian or not, he went into a week knowing we need to do this, this, and this. And in particular, on the offensive side of the football, he had a great offensive mind. So he could help Tommy through some difficult moments during the week and during a game. And I think right now you've got a first-time head coach, a first-time play caller, and I think Jared's going to have to rely on a couple of guys on his staff that have play called before just to talk through some things, try to get this offense going, Gadouli and Rudolph for the two guys I'm thinking of. So BK just had a lot of time in smaller places to learn and make mistakes and grow. It's tough doing it on this stage for Marcus. That's exactly what I was – telling my colleague Jack Sobel uh, while we were driving back from Louisville yesterday, it's the experience factor. Like, did there, how, how about this for irony, Darren? How many times have we heard Marcus Freeman himself when talking about Sam Hartman say, there is no substitute for experience. The experience is invaluable. We're going to be better at the quarterback position because this guy has done it for five years. The same thing is true about himself and where he's at. He's in his second year. When Brian Kelly got here, he had been doing it for, at the head coaching level, about a decade already at those other stops that you mentioned. Marcus Freeman was thrown into a fire, the biggest of fires. It's Notre Dame football. It's South Bend, Indiana. It's the mecca of what we watch every single Saturday. 
And as soon as you slip up once, twice, and now it's been seven times in the first two years of his tenure, including that Fiesta Bowl loss to Oklahoma State, it gets piled on. It is a literal snowball effect where you start with a tiny little issue and then all of a sudden you've got a mound of problems. And Marcus Freeman's got a mound of problems right now. And so the question uh, that our message board subscriber asked, how does it change the perception? I don't know if it changes my perception because I always had like in the deepest parts of my brain or in my gut or in my heart, whatever you want to say, I always felt that Marcus Freeman doing this for the first time was going to be a little bit of an issue. And now with the Louisville loss, the Ohio State 10 men debacle, you can lump Marshall into this. You you can lump Stanford into this. The deepest fears that I had that maybe Marcus Freeman is in a little over his head are being put out in plain sight. I mean, we could talk about his press conference a little bit too, Darren. Today, Like what he was saying, the way he said it, it sounds like a guy that is scrambling for answers, doesn't have the answers. I mentioned it earlier in the show. A lot of questions, not enough answers. I think it's fair to to maybe rationalize, hypothesize, theorize, whatever you want to say, that he's in a little over his head potentially right now. Not to say he can't dig himself out of the hole, but where he is right now, I'm not sure he's completely comfortable with what he's doing and running an operation the way Ryan Kelly for 12 years here could and did because he knew what he was doing a little bit more. He had done it before and he had, he took his lumps. Sure. But he got this thing to a point where it won 10 games in a row, 10 games, at least 10 games, five seasons in a row, never been done before at Notre Dame. So you can say what you want about Brian Kelly, but he did enough to, to do that. And Marcus Freeman is staring another non 10 win season right in the face. They could go into this bye week five and three there. And if they don't, do something against USC if they don't spring an upset because it would be an upset at this point. You're, you you got to beat the a top ten team in the country, reigning Heisman Trophy winner. I don't think many Notre Dame fans expect that to happen at this point. So you're staring five and three in the face. Guess what? That was Notre Dame's same exact record last year on the way to eight and four, nine and four with the bowl game victory. So it's scuffling. It's scrambling right now. Darren, is that fair to say? Yes, and. To answer the question, I think the perception for me started to change a little bit in the Ohio State game when you had the, the 10 men on the field debacle. And then you have the Duke game where they were playing for the field goal when Estime scored the touchdown. He was just supposed to center the ball, and then he was supposed to take a knee at the one when you're trailing. That was eye-popping. And then when you have fourth and eleven. From your own 35 with under 10 minutes to go, you're only down two scores. Now, to me, only down two scores is not a reason to panic. Had it worked, I still think we'd be talking about it, but we would applaud to, hey, it worked out. Marcus said he was playing the percentages. I don't have a percentages book in front of me, but I'd like More to get fighting further Irish hockey is coming up next on the Notre Dame Radio how Network. The percentage play was to go for it in that spot when you're only down two scores. And if you think about it, you get the ball back, you score with three minutes left, you still have time to get a stop and get the ball back. So this is not end of the world moment. 
Tyler, if there's five minutes left in the game, then we're starting to have that conversation. But to me, that was way too early. And that was deer in the headlights look to me, which is very, very concerning. So that decision started to change my thought process a little bit. And then today, there were a couple of cringeworthy moments during the presser. And I think the one thing, Tyler, also today that changed my perception, when he was asked if there's a play calling issue, and I believe Higher Elko highlighted his thoughts here a second ago on our message board, he says he has no issues whatsoever with the offensive play calling. His concern is with player execution. So when you have 10 in the box and you're running a third down play into that 10-man wall, could someone please send me the coaching tape of how to break down seven blockers against 10 and how that's going to be a positive play? Because if it's about player execution, we need to teach those seven how to block 10. Maybe we have to start sticking out our feet and tripping people, which is illegal, tying their shoelaces together and make them fall. But Tyler, it was player execution today. Later on, he did mention the coaches have to coach it better. But there was not one moment where there was a question about a play call. And I know their buddies going way back, but not to even say anything general today, just say the whole thing needs to get better. But the way he worded things today, made me very, very uneasy. And I just wonder how the players would react to knowing that the plays that were being called should have worked and that this is all about execution and the way the coaches are going to coach it from now on. That was my cringeworthy moment of the day. And it was just a microcosm of some of the things that always arise in these Mark Freeman press conferences where he says they need to coach it better. They need to execute it better. They just need to be better. But you're starting to get to a point where you Every don't week. have belief that it's going to get better. There's no tangible uh, examples of, hey, this is how we're actually getting better. That's what worries me is, okay, yeah, of course you got to be better. You just lost 33 to 20 to a team that's not nearly as talented as you, in theory. We'll get to this, too, later in the show. I thought there were some points. The Siri was about to go off on me here. Dang technology. <laughs> um, I thought there were some points in that game where, and this is also worrisome to me, Louisville looked a little faster. Louisville looked a little better with skill players. And This is Louisville versus Notre Dame. They rushed the field on you for a reason, even though you already have one loss. Like, it shouldn't happen. You, sh you should beat Louisville pretty much every single time you run out there. I don't think Marcus Freeman has answers for that. He hasn't showed us in the press conference, like, this is why this has happened. This is why we just lost to Louisville. This is why we only had 10 players on the field against Ohio State. Like, oh, oh, you could say in the press conference, we need to be better. Of course you do. You need to get that 11th player on the field. To your point, Darren, you need to be better against a 10-man box. Of course you do. You also need to be more creative, and that goes back to play calling. So how can you sit there and say it's not a play calling issue when you are literally – the defense is tipping its hand. It is showing you its cards, and you just fold to it on purpose almost. Let me defend Marcus from one standpoint, and I, I think this is very, very important. Was he allowed 
by the administration to go all in on whoever he wanted to be offensive coordinator. If it's the Utah guy, the Kansas State guy, pick your name that that popped up when this process was underway. Was he roadblocked by someone? Was he not allowed to get the guy he wanted? And is this a situation where he had to, and, and I don't mean this disrespectfully to Coach Parker, but did he have to settle for someone on his staff because he couldn't get the guy he wanted for whatever reason? I think that's a fair question to ask at this moment. Did Marcus get everything he wanted when he was looking for his coordinator? Obviously, the administration is going to tell you yes, but here are so like there is one fact involved in that. Jared Parker wasn't his number one. I mean, they did bring Andy Ludwig onto campus. He was at that hockey game. So was Jared Parker, but he was there to visit. (laughs) Right. That's another thing I said to Jack Sobel on the drive up here yesterday was say what you want about Jared Parker. And it, I mean, it hasn't looked great. And I, I will say this too, going all the way back to March, if you're on the blue and gold.com message board, which you should be go there, sign up. We're doing a special this week. You can get half off a year's subscription. I've been saying since March, I'm not sure about Jerry Parker. I'm not sure. Like this guy's inexperienced. I, it, if something's not going to work out with this offense, it's probably going to fall back on him. And and we're pretty much at that point now in mid October, but to his defense, He's sitting there at a hockey game thinking he's going to help this guy, Andy Ludwig. And then a week later, it turns out he's the guy and he doesn't have the help of an Andy Ludwig. Or, I mean, they brought in Gino Gadulli. That that was big time. Um, but that's that's you, you can't have that if you're Notre Dame where you think you're going to have one guy and then all of a sudden the guy that's supposed to be helping that guy becomes your guy. Like, oof, as soon as all that went down, Darren, I was on the message board saying, watch out for this. I'm not sure about it. And it's gotten to a point where Jared Parker needs to show something in the last five games. Otherwise, he's on the chopping block. Like, if Marcus Freeman wants to save his own behind and get this thing going in the right direction, he can't be buddy-buddy with Jared Parker and try to work things out and give him another year. Because if it gets into next year – and it looks this bad or worse because Sam Hartman is still a six-year quarterback. It shouldn't be looking this bad with him. What's it going to look like with CJ Carr, Steve Angeli, Kenny Minchie, if you still have Jared Parker? Like More Budweiser's weekday sports speed is coming up next on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 